America, it's all on the line. President Trump believes in you. He emancipates and lifts you up to live your American dream. You are capable, you are qualified, you are powerful, and you have the ability to choose your life and determine your destiny. Don't let the Democrats take you for granted. Don't let them step on you. Don't let them destroy your families, your lives, and your future. Don't let them kill future generations because they told you and brainwashed you and fed you lies that you weren't good enough. Like my parents, you can achieve your American dream. You can be that shining example to the world. Manifest and be the change in this country that you dream, that you hope, that you believe in. Stand for an American president who is fearless, who believes in you, and who loves this country and will fight for her. President Trump is the leader who will rebuild the promise of America and ensure that every citizen can realize their American dream. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. Good evening, everybody. This is your Juno. Um, and as I'm sure you guys heard just now, we're uh, we're talking about the NCs, not mm-hmm. the North Carolina, but we're talking about the national conventions of both the Republican and the Democratic Party. We're mostly going to talk about the Republicans because it was more recent and really yeah. a lot of people have said a lot of things. I mean, the timing just really doesn't work. Um, yeah, I know. It was five days ago. Kind of like, sucks. So yeah. we'll, we'll cover the DNC a little bit, but we're mostly tonight going to be talking about the RNC. And I guess but also analyzing... another some other things. Yeah, um, some other things. Because there's some news from here up north about yeah, conservatives. Finally. And... Yeah. Um, um, and there's also, but yeah, so I think we're just going to, I mean, get right into talking about the RNC. I'm Jack Yeah, uh, and of course, as usual, you know, if you like the podcast, you can follow us on, on any platform that you're listening on. Um if you want more of us or want to hear when we have a new episode, you can follow us on our social media. Uh, we're on Instagram, but Twitter mostly, uh, at JunoBeachPod, J-U-N-O-B-E-A-C-H-P-O-D. Uh, si vous êtes français, uh, cette balado est en anglais toujours, mais nos réseaux sociaux, nos Twitter, uh, notre Twitter et notre Instagram sont en français aussi. Um... Et sur les deux, c'est at JunoBeachPod, c'est at J-U-N-O-B-E-A-C-H-P-O-D. Um, and yeah, I think that's about it for introductions. So I, I think we may as well just get into the Republican National Convention. The first thing I have to say is, what the hell, man? I was, I, I tried watching it uh, live, I couldn't do it. I couldn't yeah, I saw that. that. It's just, it's crazy. It's actually insane. Yeah. It's, uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to sort of replay that first night. I mean, it's it's on right now at the time of recording. I'm sure we'll be able to, you know, get some nice snippets. But you, we pretty much got a, a good taste of, you know, what it's going to be like. I mean, we had, um, it was, there was the New York Cardinal, right, mm-hmm. to start things off. Then you get Charlie Kirk, who... I mean, if you're as terminally online as any one of us, you know who this guy is. Smile face. 
his face is far too small for his head. Yeah. And he runs like probably the largest youth propaganda network in America. Turning the largest what? What did yeah. you say? Yeah, he runs probably the largest youth propaganda oh, network. Oh, youth. Oh, thank God. Yeah. I thought I was going to have to stop the episode. Okay, never mind. <laughs> um, so yeah, like one of the largest propaganda networks, um, mm-hmm. usually operating on college campuses. Um, there's a very famous picture of Charlie Kirk wearing diapers because you know he's making fun of how all the college students are all a little sensitive babies. So he's he's wearing a diaper. We might uh, just make that the the image. Oh, I've got something even better. Yeah, I, we'll figure it out. But so yeah, mm. we got to start off with Charlie Kirk. Then we got. Um, a teacher who was going after like teachers unions and saying how teachers unions take away like teachers right to cho- to choose what's best for their students which is like all that means. Th- they're they're talking about how the the teachers unions are like fighting for um teachers to not die of covid and yeah how that's like a you know a bad thing because oh let the teachers do what the teachers want the teachers know what's best you know right? we both come from a place with a very active and belligerent teachers union oh yeah they're uh and it's... I was just thinking, like, basically every good thing we have is, we had when we were in, in, you know, the public school system is students came from the collective bargaining of the teachers' union. I don't get this idea of fighting for your students. Like, how the hell are you going to fight for your students? Tweet Donald Trump until he does something? No, well, I mean... You're going to strike. The, the reason, the reason, yeah, the reason why they brought this teacher in is because... You know the republic the Republican administration is trying the Trump administration is trying to you know reopen schools and so yeah. the, it's the teachers unions that are most vocally against this so it makes a lot of sense for them to you know bring and then what they did next is they brought a small town um, coffee shop owner mm-hmm. right and she went up in her in her little her little twang I think she was she was from Kentucky oh, um, I love so she went up there sense. with her little twang and her voice and she talked about how you know the the paycheck protection program or forget what the abbreviation actually stands for that's probably close but how that like saved her business and how it's necessary that we need to start reopening you know which is kind of again trying to look back and say yeah reopening everything this early was good because it meant that businesses you know like like this girl's here Mm -hmm. um you know can reopen and they can be financially stable again yeah which you know ignoring the fact that that's what's caused six and very possibly seven in the future seven figure death numbers in the united states alone of covid 19 it's gonna be seven figures i have no doubt i mean it's you know watching it you know of course the speeches are ridiculous and overblown but it's like it's all very methodically planned which is not something i think the dn the democrats stopped to do with the dnc yeah, I don't think oh, they yeah. put that much thought into who they were bringing on, or what, or you know, the theatrics of it all. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. watching it, it was they they really went in all in on you know the camera framing and how it was you know they would have these dynamic like sweeping shots of whoever's standing there speaking. Yeah, and, and the only thing that ruined that, and the, I think the reason why so many people found it so eerie, is because they would keep pausing for applause, or they'd be speaking like they're speaking into applause. So mm-hmm. that's why you guys heard Kimberly Guilfoyle, I think is how you pronounce her name. In the beginning, yeah. That, so you guys she just heard walks her, on stage and starts but, yelling. But <laughs> if you were to play like a track of a crowd roaring over that, it doesn't sound nearly as unnatural. No, you're right. And I kind of realized that halfway through. I mean, they're all talking like they're in front of a crowd. 
they're all talking like COVID isn't a thing. Mm-hmm. So, I, I yeah. don't know. I mean, I, it was at that point after, you know, they had done their union busting. They had done their, you know, reopening early is good. They had done all that stuff. That was around the time when I stopped watching. And then mm-hmm. I, I heard, I saw the clip of um, Kimberly just completely going off. Yeah, you um, heard the whole speech, by the way, I, in the beginning. Like, yeah. Dear so, listener. Th- th- her completely going off, and the only other thing that I gathered was the, the the fact that Donald Trump Jr. looked like he was on cocaine. Yeah. And um, Kyle Kalinske uh, at Secular Talk on Twitter <laughs> tweeted out that he he tweeted a, like a meme of Kermit the Frog doing coke <laughs> and then just said Donald Jr. during the RNC, <laughs> and then Don Jr. quote tweets it with, you must have me confused for Hunter Biden. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, I fucking love this. Dude. Like, I know that we've all been like manifesting the whole like Don or Eric, like either the Don Jr. or Eric versus Hunter Biden, like debate slash like whatever happens between them. The fail son director debate, yeah. At this point, I would take like a boxing match or like a, like a, ca- like a actual cage match. You know, like, I want, no, I want no, no, to no, see no. them. Listen. You know drinking competitions? Have one that of those, except with cocaine, See, until one I, of them ODs. I think, I think what you could do that would be more humane is you just... You supply them with probably, like, what, five lines of coke? Mm-hmm. And then leave them, like, a, a given half of, like, a, a, a medieval collection of swords. And let them go at it, and, you know, in, like, a Roman-style gladiator battle. And I, th- I think, honestly, that is how we should decide the, the presidency. It, you know, maybe maybe the nomination, because, you know, the neither the RNC or the DNC have to actually hold a fair election. Yeah. So in that case, I think, um, you know, as sort of trial by combat system for uh, for both the Republican and the Democrat Party might actually be worth exploring. I mean, well, one famous founding father shot another famous founding father. I just yeah. don't really care enough about the founding fathers to know who. Yeah, I think one of them was the musical guy. Yeah. And then the other one was it maybe Burr? I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But it used to happen. Bring yeah. back dueling, honestly. I like, mean, yeah, it, it sucks. Like, it sucks that that was banned. And I guess, like, you know, you, there's a bunch of things you can't consent to, and being murdered is one of them. Like, legally speaking, you can't consent to being but murdered. But if you're dueling, you are consenting. Well, yeah, no, no. But, like, in terms of, the like, the law, you le- you legally cannot consent to be murdered. Yeah, I guess so. So that's kind of how they outlawed dueling, yeah. which sucks because you know you and someone have on someone on Twitter have such a, a deep disagreement, and it threatens your honor so much that you are literally willing to like at least lay your life on the line, if not straight up kill them for it, and face no legal remorse. There's this Finnish nationalist guy I'd do that too. Oh yeah, like I've I've got a list of people I would duel. I actually I'm saw something cool. really funny where there's some guy who was talking about, um, and we're gonna get into Kenosha, but how the guy, like, deserved it or whatever, and I just looked at his bio, and the whole thing was about how he was, like, a Poppy fan, and it's that like, sucks. do you, well, it sucks for me as, you know, the biggest Poppy fan, but, like, how can you pay attention to what she's been doing, be it for the entire five years as I have, or for the last six months, or whatever, and not realize that the entire thing is one very complex, very clever, like, anti-capitalist stunt. And then be like, oh yeah, 
Uh, he walked away from the cop, so the attempted murder was uh, justified. I mean, I, I saw, I saw, um, you know, in the in the initial um, main Twitter post of the video, like the first time it was uploaded, I saw mm-hmm. that uh, cartoonist Pebble Throw. Um, that's not his actual name, but I don't want to give him any sort of exposure on this program yeah. if you don't know who he is. Uh, Mr. He's Pebble Throw, he was saying, like, yeah, like, there's, you know, there was a, a vague dark shape near his torso that he was carrying. So it's obviously a gun. So he obviously deserved to get shot seven times point blank. And, you know, also, he was obviously he was obviously going into his car to grab a wet, uh, you know, a long gun to shoot the cops with. Mm-hmm. Um, notwithstanding the fact that his three kids were in the car. Yeah. You know, yeah, not, no, that, no, not that that makes whatever. a difference, but it's like he his children were there. And he was yeah. breaking up a fight. It wasn't like the cops were called on him. Someone mm-hmm. else called the police. Yeah, they weren't even trying to arrest the guy. They were. They weren't trying to. Yeah, they weren't trying to arrest him. They were. You know, someone called the cops because two women were having a fight, and this guy was trying to break it up. And when the cops arrive on scene, you know, God knows what goes through their their fucking heads. And this man ends up, as, you know, if not dying of his injuries. It looks like he'll survive. Apparently he's in stable condition, but I mean, his spinal cord was severed and you know, there's no way that he can return to any sort of a normal life again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. I honestly honestly do not see how you can take that position in good faith. I think anyone that's doing it at this point is intentionally doing it either to like make people upset which or is because like, they're entrenched. Which is like, yeah, but I think the, I, I think a lot of people are in it because you know a, a main ideology of Trump supporters is just making the libs mad, owning the libs, right? Mm-hmm. Like justifying the fascist execution of a man for absolutely no reason, with absolutely no sort of trial or anything, or even a, a crime having been committed having to defend that i think you're doing that because it upsets people mm-hmm. oh, I, yeah. either that or you know you're you're well you're just entrenched like you're... there's no way you can go back nobody as as much as i hate to sound like a liberal here nobody has any nuance anymore like you're one or you're the other mm-hmm. and so there's no way you can be like you know you can't look uh, like cops are good but also the murders of george floyd and and this one where we're you know yeah not good. i mean the most you'll get out of those people is that like hey maybe you know we need to retrain right and yeah. give the give the cops more money and some people honestly think that and again some people have been bought out like by joe police unions yeah yeah but so... like there's just there's no way that jacob blake did anything wrong and, and obviously like whatever it doesn't no matter, matter even if he, he did, did wrong. even if he shot somebody in broad daylight and cold blood Wisconsin hasn't had the death penalty since 1853. So, the, even if you're, even if he did do something wrong, there's no excuse for killing him. And the amount of mass shooters who are white who have been, you know, apprehended without a struggle. Yeah, didn't the police buy Dylan Roof Burger King or something? Yeah, like it's it's beyond fucked. The amount, like how you know, the, I feel like we don't need to harp on this so much because a lot of our followers will know this, but it's like. There are two systems of justice, at oh, least yeah. in the United States. There's three Most here. Places. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there, there's two in the United States: one for black people and one for white people. Mm-hmm. And if 
you know, you, you shoot somebody, you're getting shot if you're black. And if you're white, you get, you know, they surround you. And then mm-hmm. the idea is you surrender or you get shot after you start shooting. Like, it, you don't get shot on sight, no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, I think now we're gonna we're gonna get into just sort of looping back to the. Oh my goodness! Sorry. Yeah, going back to the RNC. Going back to the RNC. The Lincoln the... Project just leaked Tiffany Trump's speech. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god, guys! What an own! The Trump family is never going. I mean, how will they? To how will they recover? recover. It's not. Surely there's surely there's no way that the Cheeto man wriggles his way out of this one. This is the last straw so, for Donald so Trump. So we are this is the this is the surely there is no way he will wriggle his way out of this one. We have yet to hit the ah uh, nevertheless the you know the Virgil <laughs> the Virgil Texas theory of um of owning Trump. Yeah. We have yet to see the ah uh, nevertheless. The only thing I can see wrong with this speech right now is that she didn't put a comma in between good evening and I'm Tiffany Trump. Um, I don't even know who Tiffany Trump is. I'm gonna be completely honest I th- with you. Isn't she Eric's wife? I oh, think she's okay. Eric Trump's wife. All I know she's is that one of, she's one of the wives of one of the Trump sons. Okay. All I know is that there's like Ivanka, who's the brains, and then Don Jr., who's the brawn, and then there's like Eric. Yeah, Eric the. I mean, it, no, it's know, just Eric. He's just Eric. Eric and Don Jr. are very entrenched in their own battle to be the the best Trump fail son. I mean, they're both really fucking good at it. Well, I mean, the best bit is, like, Eric Trump is the fail son because he doesn't do anything. And then Don Jr. is the fail son because he's just constantly getting owned. Yeah, and and, and Jared Kushner is, like, the fail... Yeah, he's... Jared Kushner is the fail son in Jared law. Kushner is not a fail son. Are you kidding me? He basically sets policy in this, that country. That guy won. I guess... You, you, get, you, get to marry, you get to marry family. Ivanka Trump and you get to run the United States. Okay, I don't know if that's a privilege. I bet she is. You not cannot. You cannot thirst right. after Jordan Peterson's, after Jordan Peterson's daughter, and not thirst after Ivanka Trump. The double standard is too real. Watch me. <laughs> so <laughs> let's move on. So I mean, before we got sidetracked there again, um, we wanted to talk about, I guess the how closely Kimberly's speech conforms to the We're 14... We're talking about... Oh, Kimberly's speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Conforms to the 14 tenets of fascism. Or, uh, or fascism. Or so fascism. this is an idea, not specifically... Like, I know people always share the 10 steps to fascism and stuff like that. I actually don't know where those come from. Um, but there's uh, this Italian... Uh, recently died. Italian philosopher uh, named Umberto Eco who actually lived under Mussolini. Um... And so he sort of talked about the 14 tenets of, I guess, ur-fascism, which he talked as, like... Because obviously there were, like, ideological differences between, for example, what you saw in Italy versus what you saw in Germany versus what you saw in Romania versus Venezuela versus, you know, Pinochet's Chile, etc. So he sort of compiled 14 uh, tenets that are sort of universal in all, in all fascism. And, and so that's what he says, like, is this is these are the fourteen things that actually make up what fascism is, and so obviously we've already talked about how Joe Biden is a social fascist, um, and so I think it wouldn't be fair, balanced, or centrist of us to not talk about yeah. how 
the Republican Party are, like, honest to God, like, American. Like, if the Democrat Party is opening the door, the Republican Party is conducting a no-knock raid to fascism. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's just about it. Like, They've so shot the dog. They, yeah, they've, they've shot the, the dog. Power. They've cut yeah. the power. The, uh, the lock is broken. Yeah. So, first off, we've got the cult of tradition. So... I mean, this is, you know, the classic, I guess, rallying cry of um, reject modernity, embrace tradition. And there's two, uh, yeah, it's uh, literally the first two points consist of the cult of tradition and the rejection of modernism. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, and and as says, you heard in that speech, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's incredibly unhinged, mm-hmm. but you, you definitely heard both you know, promoting this idea of how Trump is bringing back what made America great at the same time as like rejecting the the sort of modern liberalism that, you know, they're, yeah. Oh, and by the way, if you're wondering actually who she is, she's Don Jr.'s girlfriend. Um, see, I would like, I, I would like to think that she wasn't like a planned speaker. And that we've been like Mandela affected into thinking that she was like planned to be there and that she just like, you know, got really bored and hung out way too much at the at the bar in, in yeah. like whatever venue they recorded that at, mm-hmm. and just got absolutely wasted, and yeah. then went up and did that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, like that would be a nice reality to live in, you know. No one actually holding these beliefs while they're sober. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Next, we've got the cult of action for action's sake. Um, obviously, you know. Yeah, so, so he says here... And, su- the implicit support for QAnon, which has been sort of spread out across the Trump's... The Trump well, community. he actually... He says something really interesting. So each of these... We've just compiled them. We, we've, he, he's, we've got a quote for each of these. Um, and so in this one, Eco says, Action being beautiful in itself, it must be taken before or without any previous reflection. Thinking is a form of emasculation. And obviously, like, you see this more and more... Um, and like all across uh, the the political spectrum, all across the world, but uh, people like it's just gotten so tribalistic at this point that nobody actually like comes up with their own ideas and acts on them. Like it it is like yeah. genuinely, like, it's just mob mentality. Um, and and so that's where it continues. Like disagreement is treason. So Eco says the critical spirit makes distinctions, and to distinguish is a sign of modernism. In modern culture, the scientific community praises disagreement as a way to improve knowledge. Um, so yeah, like, it's, it's gone to this point, and, and so, um, it's, it's kind of interesting, I mean, these are, whatever, like, these are surface level things, but what I really want to get into, uh, with this one, and, and obviously we can talk about, uh, Guilfoyle's speech specifically, or just the Trump, like, platform, the Trump party, the Trump Mm -hmm. base in general, um, it's, it's interesting. I mean, there's the fear of difference, obviously, right? Like, the he says the first appeal of a fascist or prematurely fascist, this, I would say this is prematurely fascist, um, movement is an appeal against the intruders, thus, or fascism is racist by nef- definition. So, you know, like we so saw... So that's obviously, they're taking so, your jobs, they're going to China, the Mexicans are coming saw, over the border. We, we saw in 2016, this is what we saw in 2016. We saw yeah. the, you know, the anti-immigrant rhetoric was really turned up when they... They, I guess they didn't harp on, you know, Hillary Clinton being, you know, and comparing her to Castro. 
like they have with Biden, right? You know, yeah. they, they got people riled up enough about immigration that they could do whatever they wanted with absolute impunity, and no one, no one ever called Hillary Clinton a socialist. Yeah. Yeah. So what they're calling Biden know, and Harris socialists. They they've gone for the outside threats and now they're going for the inside threats. Yeah, yeah. And so now and but here's where it gets really interesting, right? It's this appeal to social frustration. One of the most typical features of the historical fascism was the appeal to a frustrated middle class, a class suffering from economic crises or feelings of political humiliation, and frightened by the pressure of lower social groups. And this is really interesting because I noticed this in a lot of speeches. And it, I noticed this in Kimberly Guilfoyle's speech um, as well, that they talk about how, you know, these people are making their, themselves rich off of your tax money. They are, and they, they go after millionaires, they go after billionaires, and they go after the very real problem of outsourcing um, well-paying jobs to, you know, borderline slave and then, markets and then the they go world. yeah well, i mean what they were doing with the the trump ads where they're saying oh look at all these great trade deals he signed you know we're we're bringing back american jobs and joe biden is you know he championed i believe it was the trans-pacific partnership mm-hmm. that pretty much ensured that american manufacturing would be finally put in the ground yeah and that's well, because... why i that's why i think the the corvette commercial was so hilarious because you know, oh, they don't make cars like this anymore. Why, of Joe? They, of course they fucking don't, because you can't afford to make it here anymore. Yeah. And so, like, that's the thing, like, political extremism, and specifically, like, you know, populist or collectivist political extremism, uh, you and I obviously are in one extreme there, and, and, and fascists are on another, um, I think come from similar places it's a frustrated downwardly downwardly mobile you know middle class that um and then they just find different villains yeah. obviously we found the right villains and the true villains and uh, but of course then what they'll do is they'll find the true villains uh and then they'll obfuscate it so where we say yes the true villains are you know, the billionaires, the multimillionaires, the people at the top, they'll be like, oh yeah, and also they're all Jewish. Yeah. It, it, it's, that is sort of, I mean, yeah, throughout the history of fascism, it has always been an adapt, you know, it, it's been a reactionary adaptation to progressive, and, mm-hmm. you know, revolutionary well, uh, so, movements. It, it's always attempted to, yeah, like you said, obfuscate and misdirect that revolutionary energy to an enemy is, like, to an enemy that will benefit the state. Mm-hmm, and, benefit. and I hate to say it, like it, it pains me to say, but it is true that fascism, and this is where I mostly disagree with Bordega, is that fascism is fundamentally a revolutionary, and b, and this sucks, anti-capitalist. Not because, you know, they have the issues of whatever, exploitation and whatever. It's because capital works against the interests of the state. Um, and so, obviously, they prefer the shared corporatist model, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, we don't need to get into fascist economics. If we were going to do that, just read Wages of Destruction by Adam Tooze. Um, but, like, with different... 
goals and different means to reach those goals. Fascism uh, is, is spawned by the same social conditions and it aims to tackle the same social conditions that socialism does, which is why it's so dangerous. Because the second you have the material conditions for an actual shift leftwards, you have the exact necessary, like the, once you have those exact necessary material conditions, you also have the exact necessary material conditions for a shift to the I far mean, right because they're exactly the same. That's, you know, obviously it happened in Germany. It happened in Italy as well. And it yeah, happened I, I'm, in Russia. I'm, I'm working my way through uh, Gramsci's prison note, but the criminal oh, yeah. notebooks. And it's very interesting getting, you know, because the main, I guess, the main fascist regime in throughout history has been Nazi Germany. And that's usually what's pointed to when it comes to um, fascism. But it, it honestly, Italian fascism, just but even though it, you know, it's 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 actually older than uh, Nazism was by far, and, yeah. And it's it's slightly different, and it's different incredibly enough. different, actually. It, yeah. It's di- it's different enough to make it interesting to study. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, so, um, and way tamer, um, but also more sinister in in, in a few yeah. ways. And, and we don't need to get into it. Maybe there we there are a lot, day, but that that could be an interesting episode, but. It, Italian fascism, in, in short, was a lot smarter about how it conducted itself. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and, and because, like, you know, obviously Bordiga, also another uh, Italian, you know, communist, um, always said, like, there's no fundamental difference between fascism and liberal democracy because they're both whatever, like, rule of capital or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't really care. But obviously, yes, like, who is enforcing fascism? It's mobs on the street. Yeah. It is middle class and lower class people who believe in it. So, yeah, um, as much as it sucks, um, there's always going to be a battle between the far left and the far right, and one person's always one side's always going to have to win because the material conditions to spawn them are, are the exact same. Um, and obviously, like, it, it, Eco continues. We don't really need to get into it, but, like... He says some interesting things. Yeah, like, obsession with a plot. You know, the followers have to feel besieged. Yeah. This is the whole the socialist thing. Or QAnon, yeah. The enemy is both strong and weak. That, it's the sort a, of... Actually, that is a huge one that you see It's nowadays. really cool. With, really interesting. With, ant, you know, Antifa simultaneously being these dyed hair, you know, soy boys who, you know, can't... Who can't Live in their stay. parents' basements. Yeah, exactly. And who can't, you know, who are scared of a Blue Lives Matter flag or whatever whatever shit and these like hardcore but they are also like yeah like armed to the teeth hardcore diehard who are all willing to die for their cause and are all heavily armed and you know all of this all of this or even like they talk about the democrats and how they're all stupid and joe biden has dementia but also he's like an like an actual stalinist who's gonna execute 100 trillion americans they're smarter than that because they realize that they can't really sell people on the line of joe biden being cunning i think that was why They've latched on to the whole Kamala Harris, like... You're right. And also the whole, like, Biden is a vessel for Bernie. Exactly. So, yeah, the, the Biden being a vessel for Bernie, you know, another it's thing clever. reactionaries say that would be epic if it were true. But latching on to the Kamala Harris pick, and I mean this, you know, it's what we expected, is them saying that it's Kamala that is pulling the strings as a radical leftist, again, would be cool as hell. Um, she's pulling the strings, you know, she's the one behind the scenes, and it's just Joe that's the doddering idiot that we get to make fun of, and it's Kamala Harris that's the scheming mastermind. 
Mm -hmm. right so they've kind of the democratic party has embodied this sort of duality of your enemy yeah yeah which you know whether it's intentional or not i think i think it would be very you know schizo brained for me to say that it was intentional of them but it, it definitely is very uh eye emoji yeah um, and yeah so we don't really need to to finish this but like i can just run down the the list for the rest of them um so yeah pacifism is traffic trafficking with the enemy uh everybody is educated uh to become a hero contempt for the weak machismo and rep- weaponry selective populism uh this is interesting actually he does like predict in the 90s this uh like TV and internet populism, which we got, uh, and Urfashim speaks newspeak. But one one other thing that I I sort of got from from the RNC is that these people are like actually genuinely terrified. See, it, it's it's interesting to watch because there are some people like you know the teacher or the small business owner that they had up there. I forget their names right now, but there are some people up there that genuinely believe in this. Yeah, genuinely believe that Joe there Biden are a lot is, of is, Marx, is a Marxist. I'm, I'm talking about specifically in the Republican Party and the people who are invited to speak. Oh, I there, see. You yeah, can yeah. tell who's in on the joke and who's in on the grift and who isn't. Don mm. Jr. is obviously, well, you know, God knows with his coke addiction. but And his lack of chin. I mean, he's probably in on it. He, he is a Trump. Yeah. So he's likely in on it, but... You know, running through Charlie Kirk might be. It would make sense given how you know how hard of a grift Turning Point USA is. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people there are there to cash their checks and then you know hopefully become a resist lib in four years. Right. Um, I, think, I actually like, can't wait until Trump like the same thing that happened to Bush. Like Trump gets rehabilitated by the libs when oh, Tom oh, Cotton becomes president. Happen. Yeah. yeah well, when, no, but listen, Trump gets re- Tom Cotton becomes president. Trump gets rehabilitated by the libs, Tom, and, and then Tom, I and cannot Tom wait. Just starts doing some absolutely heinous shit. Oh yeah, like, like murdering like, people, ga- like, and like gassing immigrant centers. Like I'm, no, like I'm, yeah, like that level. And, and like, then they rehabilitate Trump, and then um, like I cannot wait to see Ivanka's run after Trump's being re- rehabilitated. Oh my god, I'm so excited for that. I, I think I could definitely yeah, like you know what I'm I'm calling it right now, Secretary of State. Under whom? That's where that's where she's gonna go. Under probably in a Cotton administration or in like a Crenshaw administration. Maybe. So, Maybe. But yeah, it's interesting to look at who's in on the grift and who isn't. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's a it's a nice little. It, it helps you, you know. Contextualize the whole thing. Yeah, because, and know yeah. know thine enemy. Um, mm. And yeah, a, a speaker who is set to appear tonight. Um, <laughs> this is so funny oh my god it's insane she urged her speaking supporters, of fascism yeah urged her supporters to research an anti-semitic <laughs> conspiracy theory about a global jewish plot to enslave the the quote goyim oh um, my god so this is i guess a response like a, adding on to the fbi recently tweeting out um the protocols of the learned elders of zion if you Which, don't know what it is, it's a fake document. It is, that a, pro- it is a not like a Nazi conspiracy theory. I, I believe well, it, was it in, came out in like, like yeah, well it, before the Nazis, but like it, it basically is, it purported to be a bunch of like Jewish elders talking about how they're going to dominate the world by controlling business and stuff. Yeah, and it formed a basis for a lot of the Nazi ideology. Um, interestingly, it also influenced another World War II axis power, but not in the way you might think. Um, 
So, as Germany uh, was marching east into the, you know, Poland and the Soviet Union, one country that was actually really interested in rescuing a lot of Jews was, surprisingly enough, the Japanese Empire. Um, and to this day, actually, there is a, a high population of uh, East European Jews in Manchuria because they were settled there by the Japanese. Uh, obviously, Manchuria was part of the Japanese Empire at the time. Um, and this is because the Japanese also, like the Nazis, read the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. Except, instead of freaking out like the Nazis did and being like, oh my god, we need to, like, destroy these people. Obviously, this was disproven in 1922, but the Nazis didn't care. The Japanese freaked out and were like, oh my god, we need to get every single one of these people on our side. <laughs> so, they rescued, I think it was like 6,000 Jews they rescued from, um, Latvia. Uh, and, and yeah, they brought them to Manchuria, and they, they obviously not just 6,000. They're like, 6, teach us your ways, and they're all like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, 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 but obviously, like, they just saved you from the Nazis, so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. That's just but, a weird bit of history as to why there's so many Jewish people in Manchuria. Anyways. So, yeah, I mean, this comes after the FBI tweeted out the this whole document um without <laughs> no comment context. and that without any sort of comment they just tweeted out i think it was a pdf and then right at the end they put like literally at the end of this like 80 page document <laughs> of just like the most heinous racist anti-semitic shit imaginable do we get a little like uh by the way guys this was disproved um this is a this conspiracy theory is wrong which of course only gets the QAnon guys like more riled up right they read through all this and they're like oh my god here they are they're trying to deny it but we got them we, you know the fbi tweeting this out obviously means it's an endorsement even though the fbi is deep state i mean there's an interesting bit of double think there yeah um because they just have some they, they think bot. they're gonna be well the QAnon people think that they are gonna be the ones to uncover the conspiracy Right? That's why they think like, oh, well, you know, the FBI fucked up tweeting this out. Oh, I'm going to I'm gonna tell all my, literally everyone that I know that, you know. It's literally a bot that tweets what FBI documents. Obviously, it's concerning as to why the FBI had the protocols in their archives anyways. Yeah. But it was just an archive bot. Yeah. But which... yeah, so um, one thing I did not expect to come out uh, of 2020 was the protocols having, like, a cultural renaissance. Yeah, I mean... But then the again, way, the like, way are that we the really year surprised? Started going around March, April, I would not have been surprised if you told me at that point that and yeah. Then by the year the way, started going on January the third. Yeah. That was when the Iran scare started up. Oh yeah, um, and then Kobe died, and then yeah, yeah. Um. Anyways, I think we're gonna move on. I think we're gonna move on from our, our neighbors to the south. I think we're gonna talk about the you know the as as I call them the Democratic Party of Canada, uh, the Conservative <laughs> Party. Yeah. Um, and they had their own. Leadership they had board. their own. Yeah, they had their leadership convention, which is kind of for our American fans. It's like your national convention. You know, it's a nice little party. Everyone talks about the general things that the party likes. They pick a leader. Um, but in our case, we don't hold primaries necessarily for the like for the nominee. It's mo. It's no, because you don't. You it's, vote. It's, it's voted like the party members vote on a ranked ballot. Well, this is um, only a conservative thing, actually, and they want to abolish I, I it thought point, it but... was... I thought the NDP also had a ranked ballot system. They do. I was just saying it's not like a universal thing. Yeah, so, you know, the parties will elect a, uh, a head of the party based off of the direct voting from party members. 
Mm-hmm. You know, there's no primary system. There's no delegate system. You know, nothing archaic. Like yeah, that. because you it's actually a... don't vote for a leader. Like, if you're American, yeah. you're going to vote for you vote you know, for either you know you vote for Joe Biden, Biden or Trump. Or you vote for Trump. Whereas here, here you, you vote have for the party. You ha- yeah, you have regional representatives in, in yeah. your your regions. I guess sort of like your electoral districts, uh, and then you elect you someone for, for that region. Yeah, um, it's called a riding to parliament. And then the party that has the most ridings under their control forms government. If it's a majority government, if they have over 50% of the ridings, they can do basically whatever they want. Uh, and if it's a minority government and they have less than 50%, they obviously have to team up with another they party. They have to, to work with, you know, if the liberals form a minority government, which they, which they do, they, right they now. tend to do, um, they usually will either work with the conservatives or the NDP if the NDP has that sort of extra bit to push the liberals over. Yeah. Um, but it, it the system works the more parties you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I just well you know I love pointing to the example of like Norway and Sweden with their like insane coalitions. Although in fairness, Norway and Sweden and most of Europe has proportional representation. Yeah, whereas we function on a Westminster. They have system. incredible. Like you will have like thirty, like fifteen different socialist parties, all who happen to win like one area. And then they'll all form a coalition and with, like, all a conservative coalition. party. Yeah, and they'll they'll form a coalition with, like, yeah, like a, a not like a far-right, but like a, a center-right party. A center-right, like, again, like a Democratic Party of America or a Conservative Party of Canada type party. Yeah. In now, order in to fairness, get, in order to either own the neo-lib parties, which generally form the minority governments of those countries, and that's or like the the sock. Well, you don't. Again, you can't have minority governments in those countries. Like that's that's the like the difference. Like we couldn't have that many parties in Canada because no one would ever form a majority government, and nothing happens in Canada when nobody has a majority. Like you either have to have a coalition government or majority for anything to actually happen, because just the way it works, we don't have right the the one person one vote. We kind of do, but not. It, it is definitely a more direct democracy than the American system, but... Yeah, and I, I actually, I do like it. I don't think proportional representation is a good idea. Um, I, I think it is, in terms of, like, capitalist democracy, the best system and a, a balance between, like, stability and superstructure and, you know, actual, like, direct democracy. Um, but it does, I mean, my favorite is, like, the Japanese... Who have like a billion parties, but they were also uh, had their constitution written by the Americans, so they don't have billion party coalitions. So the same party has been in power for like thirty years or something like that. Um, but yeah, so it was a rank bout. There were four people running for leadership, and we'll, we'll go over them. Um, and so basically, there were four rounds of voting. Um, and if nobody got the majority, then the person on the bottom would be eliminated and everyone would get to vote again. Um, and so we actually went all four rounds. It went very late. There were problems with voting. And finally, somebody who actually not many people really expected to win uh, won. Um, I mean, and we're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. But I think it's important to put this into the context of the sort of schism that's been happening in the party for a very I long mean, time. The the Conservative Party in Canada tends to do this every, you know, maybe we'll say 15, 20 years. But um, it's 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 happening more recently. It sort of started off with gay marriage. Yeah, so you, in what you have you have two So our Conservative Party is further to the left obviously than the Republican Party. Um and I even mean, the Democratic Party even, let's be I honest mean, here. Argue yeah, arguably the 
the right wing and the center of the Democrat, like the center of the Democrat Party, is pretty much aligned with the conservative party. With, yeah, with the CPC, and then like the right wing of the Democrat Party is further right than the the right wing of the conservative party. Oh, easy, yeah. So, what happens is you have your your social conservatives. You know, your anti your anti abortion. Um, abortions it's mostly in canada it's abortion immigration we've kind of given yeah. up like, they've kind of given up on the gay marriage thing well yeah because you know as it they are reactionary and so when something becomes entrenched right it's it's yeah. much harder to react to something that was only a big deal like in the obama administration yeah and so it sort of started with so our last prime minister before trudeau was this guy named stephen harper and he was a social conservative like hands down except yeah. he was also uh, not willing to go to the mat about any of it. So when gay marriage happened in 2006, he shortly took power afterwards. Like, but he he didn't, he didn't do anything he didn't to reverse it. it because again, like they they are reactionaries. So if something they don't really bother turning around, they would much rather focus on the next thing to fight against because that's what they're. I mean, sometimes they do. Like. Again, like abortion is still a thing for them, and and we'll get into that. But yeah, so that's sort of where it it started because that was a very controversial decision of his. And obviously he ended up being prime minister still for like nine years, um, which is a pretty good run. But um, it, uh, it, 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 it sort of started off this, this schism in the party. Yeah, so... Um, and so now there actually is this sort of split between... Um, I, I mean, this is all leading up to the Conservative Party of Canada absolutely eating shit in the next election. Oh, they're going to... Yeah, they are going like they might get like Ontario liberals. They might be because if you are like the only people that are probably going to vote for them are going to be the social conservatives, no matter what. Maybe, and I'm going to talk about that and, and who but, we got. But yeah. I, I I think you're you might be right. But anyways, so the last election, um, the 2019 election, should have been like an easy sweep for the conservatives. Trudeau, I forget what scandal it was, but there was a scandal, um, and it, you know, Andrew Scheer was not really a liked leader, but the Liberals were just hated. The Liberals are, yeah. under Trudeau have basically always been hated, uh, and they keep winning. Um, yeah, so, I mean, yeah, you, you log they, on to Twitter. Everyone hates the, the other guys more. You log on to Twitter, and you see, like, people posting, like, the, the Liberals have a very specific font that they like to use, and so they'll, they've arranged, like, the L of that font into a swastika, Right, and yeah. posted that and compared the liberals to the Nazis, and then they'll still they'll still get like a majority government and like, you know, fe like federally, as well as like at in most provinces. Yeah. Right. Well, like, they're not doing well in the provinces now. They're not yeah. doing they're not doing super well now, but I mean they they held in twenty fifteen it was a huge sweep. They held yeah. a very tight grip on Ontario for a very long time. Thirteen and, years, but yeah. Um. So, but I think a lot of what a lot of people saw as the reason. Andrew Scheer lost was because he was too friendly. He was similar to Harper in that he was a social conservative who wasn't willing to go to the mat about it. And so a lot of people saw him as too friendly to the social conservatives. And Canadians, at this point, don't vote for them anymore. They just don't. Um, and so uh, then, like, usually a leader gets two shots at it, but they, they sort of didn't. So there was, like, a small scandal, which they used as, as an excuse to have Scheer resign. Um and he, he like em he embezzled money from the party to like send like a very small party. amount and actually like a way that could very easily be explained away as an innocent mistake yeah 
Like, it was totally survivable. He could but have basically... made it out, but they also, like, it was partially the party kind of ganging up and being like, we hate you, dude, just leave. And it was a good excuse for him to leave. Yeah. Like, he would have just used that as, as an excuse to leave because it's easier than being kicked out by your own party. Um, but yeah, like, this was in the middle of basically revelations that Justin Trudeau had been doing blackface for his entire, like, young life until he was, like, 30. Uh, and they still voted for him over Andrew Shear because yeah. they're like, well, because he's friendly with actual racists. Yeah, um, he's he he toes the line too hard for either side of the conservatives, and so the more moderate conservatives will just vote liberal because, like, you know, they don't really care that the 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 leader of the liberal party did blackface. They're just like, oh, well, this Shear guy fucking sucks. Well, and also, like, if I had the choice between a guy who did like racist shit. And a guy who was cozying up to racists. Yeah. Like, now? I would obviously vote for Trudeau. I mean, I don't know. Who, I, I'd probably vote NDP in that election, but whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, so, there was a big... That, so, that was sort of the defining issue of this... Um, I mean, COVID, obviously, was the framework, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Don't care. But um, the, the defining issue was where these people stood on social issues. So the the main contender and the person a lot of people sort of expected to win was this guy named Peter McKay. And, and Peter McKay is what is known as a red Tory. Uh, this is mostly a Canadian thing, but it it, it is a, like a, a conservative tradition of thought. It, it comes from sort of Brian Mulroney. Um, and there are like notable figures like John Tory and, and him uh, and, and politics who, who are this. And it is this sort of fiscally responsible uh, socially liberal. So it, it, it would be the people who would fit into the right wing of the Liberal Party if they wanted to. Yeah. Uh, and can, I guess it is sort of the can, left wing of the Conservative Party. You can have a little health care, you know, as a treat. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, they... Well, actually, that's another thing. Like, every single Conservative in Canada supports yeah. universal health care. Be because you're not taking this away from us. Right, you you can't take away Canadians' health care because then what will we what will we brag about to other countries? Well, like yeah, it, because we I, always that's part. That's partially a joke, but it's also like, what else do we really have going for us? There's part of the Canadian psyche that just relies on being better than other countries and no one knowing. Specifically, about it. America. Specifically, America. We, we but have in a general. massive superior. Like, I remember thinking until probably fifth grade that we are not a racist country. And that America w was, like, uniquely racist. And that, oh, that slavery stuff was bad. But I'm glad we never did anything like that. We're so much better than the Americans. Then I found yeah. out about residential schools and all the, the heinous shit that we did to the indigenous people. And I guess you can take comfort in the fact that America did all that shit to plus slavery. Yeah. But, yeah, oh, I know. That said, we are still better in every way. We're cooler. Yeah, we are cooler. We have cooler colonial... Well, you know, our colonial overlords, we were just like, uh, hey, can we be our own thing? And they're like, yeah, you've been nice. Sure. You've been a good boy. And then America started murdering people over taxes. Yeah. Uh, uh, anyways, so, yeah, um, so that's Peter McCain. Everyone sort of expected he would win. He's been a big figure in politics for a long time. Um, and he's kind of, like, a cool guy. He's relatable. He's nice. Like, he actually has, a re like, an actual supermodel as his wife. Um... <laughs> He also hates women. Let me, uh... The, the first thing, you Google him, and the first thing is his wife. Well, yeah, she... Yeah. Um... 
And and so yeah, he's got a bad history of misogynist comments. Oh, he looks so much. He looks like a politician. He well, he Nova has... Scotian politician specifically. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. Um, and he looks, like, he looks like I'd be related to him. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, my maritime roots are showing. But yeah, so everyone sort of expected he would win, and, and he didn't. And I, I'm gonna talk about why once we talk about who did win. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, he's got this history of misogynist comments, and he was dating some MP, and then she crossed the floor to the Liberal Party, and he stood up in the House of Commons, in Commons and called her someone else's dog. It was bad. It was really bad. Um, and even in 2014, he was saying women are too emotional to be judges. Um, but he also, you know, whatever, is not racist. Yeah, he's, he's a red Tory. He, yeah, he's a red he, Tory. Yeah, a little health care is a treat. He's, he's an asshole when it comes to, you know, things like women's liberation. And... Well, but again, like, policy-wise, he's fine. He's just personally yeah. Nova Scotia. He's like... He's like yeah, he, he could be on the Liberal Party, but he's just really bad at PR and optics, which the Liberals exactly, are yeah. like they're they're better at considering how nothing seems to stick to that party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then Literally he... we had to have like a multi million dollar corruption scandal when it came to like with power plants to get anywhere in terms of getting them out of power. And then we ended up with the progressive conservatives in Ontario who are pains. Yeah. Oh god. But yeah, so um the guy who won was the other sort of front runner of the race um, until very late, uh, and his name is Aaron O'Toole. Uh, he was a captain in the Royal Canadian Air Force, uh, and he's kind of a populist type of dude. Um, and he, he's a he's a veteran running as a politician. I mean, you can you can gather a lot mm. of what he's about. Just I have that. a lot of sympathy for him actually. If we're being complete, like people have been clowning on him for his slogan, which is "Take Canada Back," which is a terrible far right type of slogan. Yeah. Um, but. I get the sense, he's just got dad energy, right? And I get the sense that he's not a hater. Like, he's the only person who promised to march at a pride parade. You know, he's, like, the... He, he would promise to march at a pride parade because he realizes, like, he saw the shit that people like Rob Ford caught for not doing it. And he's a smart enough guy to realize that that is the kind of thing you need to do when you're a politician, regardless of your actual ideological, you know, lines. Maybe I just see the best in people and you don't. Like, maybe I'm always looking for people to be better than they are. I guess. But maybe, I sort of, but... I don't, like, I just sort of see him as trying to be progressive, and then Peter McKay gets in early and fills that role, and then he has to, um, sort of, he has to in a sense, yeah. shimmy up to, and, and he doesn't embrace them fully like the other two, but shimmy up to the social conservatives. And he wins, and it's, it's fine. Um, but then there are, other, there are two others, and first there's the absolute loser, his name is Derek Sloan. He's like the he sort of last gasp. Shit. He ate shit. He's the sort of last gasp reactionary. Like at this point, I think the social conservatives are never going to hold power, but they will always hold the balance of power in that party. Uh, but he was sort of the last gasp of them trying to hold power uh, in the traditional sense. And so he's this weirdo, like Catholic. So he's actually like not racist. Like he has mixed race kids or whatever. I don't know. But he, like, 100% that's hates like, women. And that's LGBT exactly what, people. I mean, his supporters would tell you that, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, and, so yeah, he's one of those weirdo Catholics. And, like, but also he was the only person to 
give English, French, and Mandarin on his, uh, on his website. So, like, he made these, like, weird steps towards proving he's not a racist, but then he's, like, really, like, terrible on every other issue. Yeah. Which is weird. Um, and, but we don't even need to talk about the guy, because he aged shit. He got, like, 60% in the first round, and, like, and got dumped in the first round. Uh, but the one who sort of came from behind, and nobody really expected, was this woman named Leslin Lewis, and she's sort of a Trojan horse. So she initially gained, sort of, traction, or, or attention, um, because she's a woman of color, uh, and specifically an immigrant from Jamaica. And typically, the expectation of conservatives, specifically in Canada, is that they're like white dads. Yeah. Um, and so, she sort of broke the mold, and that was cool, and everyone was like, wow, this is cool. I mean, yeah, like, you can walk into a, a, a barbecue in Markham and see literally every member of the conservative party, and right there. they would not look out of place at all. Exactly. I mean, you've got Stephen Harper, you know, the, the dad that went, you know, all white hair a while ago, and is now just like... Who would be who would be on the grill? Do you think? Who'd be on the grill? Aaron O'Toole would be on the grill. I'm I'm thinking he'd have some novel. Yeah, I mean he'd have some novelty like apron that he'd mm-hmm. be wearing, and he'd be yeah. constantly walking around with like a slightly cold hamburger because it's been off the grill oh. for so long. He'd be like, "All right, uh, does anyone want this? Uh, about to oh. turn the grill off, like right, like oh, you know, you're making me love him. Um, and yeah, so there's that, and then Andrew Shears is the guy who sits in the corner and is too scared to talk to anyone. Yeah, Peter McKay is the guy with the hot wife who everyone's horned up, horned up for. <laughs> yeah, no, it, there it's at Peter McKay's house. It's at Peter McKay's house, and they're only there for his wife. <laughs> um, and then Derek Sloan. Is the one who like thinks that Sloan is the him. one who gets kind of wasted and starts like talking politics and like kind of freaking everyone out with how reactionary he is. But he thinks they're all there for him when yeah. really they're just there for Peter McKay's <laughs> wife. Um, but yeah. So, anyways, so she's sort of new in that sense and a breath of fresh air, which is cool. But then you start looking at her views, um, and it's weird because despite being the only woman in the race, she's always also the most virulently anti-abortion. Uh, virulently anti-LGBTQ+. Like, she is the only one, if she actually got the nomination or the nod, who I would be worried about bringing up the gay marriage thing again. Um, so she's just, like, weird. I just, I was not expecting it, but at the same time... If she would have got the nomination, that would be the most surefire way that the Conservative Party of Canada would eat shit. But she also did so well. Yeah. Like, she came from being... She's a lawyer. She has no history in the Conservative Party. Uh, she's never held a seat. Like, she's got nothing, and she's a lawyer. And she um, came third. And, in fact, she won the popular vote in the second round. So... So, once once Sloan was eliminated, I mean, I guess that a lot of Sloan All of voters, his people went to her. Sloan and then when she was to, eliminated... Yeah, Sloan voters went to Lewis. Lewis got eliminated, and they all went to O'Toole because, you know, no one really liked the Red Tories. Exactly. Like, O'Toole basically... And I imagine that he's not going to hold these positions anymore. Because um, I think he knows that, like, even if he wanted to have that base in his party, um, it would not work uh, out federally. Um, O'Toole sort of stayed neutral on the issue rather than yeah. taking a side. Whereas Peter McKay took one side and Sloan and Lewis uh, took another. But yeah, I think the reason... Basically, the only reason McKay lost is because O'Toole had a power base, which is, you know, suburban Ontario. He's from Durham region. 
Uh, and Peter McKay has no power base, which is conservatives in Nova Scotia, which just federally just, don't exist. It's a numbers game, and there's... You know, you know provincially, the conservatives do exist, but it's basically just the liberals and conservatives are the exact same, and who you vote for basically depends on who your family likes and doesn't. Yeah. This is from my brother who lives there. Um, and so, yeah, there's no room for Nova Scotian conservatives. And McKay's just done. His career's over at this point. Unless um, he goes, like, John Tory and becomes, like, mayor of Vancouver or something, right? Like, you know... Halifax. He, he, yeah. He'd like, have to he, go Halifax. I mean, the Conservative Party of Canada so has could do its it. own fail son every 10 years. And that, you know, was John Tory, and now it's... Uh, that's Peter McKay. Eventually, the Red Tories get pushed out. They always do. But yeah, it's... so, I mean, a lot of people are comparing Aaron O'Toole to Trump. I don't think it's fair. And, like, not, honestly... Not, least, not for the least of reasons that Aaron O'Toole doesn't have nearly as hilarious of a speaking cadence. Okay, but you know what? I was laughing at him, and I feel bad about it, but he was... All of those people... Except, like, to an extent, Peter McKay. I was watching I was watching the French language debate, and it was very funny. Um, because I don't think I can speak French. But anyways, in his acceptance speech, he was talking like, Oh, je sais que je parle français comme un anglo. And this, like, terrible English accent that I tried to, like, I mean, he replicate it. there and just didn't. And he knows it. And I just felt so bad for him. I just felt so bad. He, but you know what? The Conservative Party of Canada is going to get destroyed in Quebec. You know why I feel so much... I don't, I don't know. I might, he might do as well, like, well. Because you know why I personally feel so much affection for Aaron O'Toole? He is the first conservative leader in my lifetime. Well, I mean, obviously, that who I remember. Because I was, like, four when Harper showed up. Who was, like, a real human being. Right? Like... Harper was a Sheer, robot, and Shear was a Harper, zombie. Harper was a robot. Shear was like a, a corpse, a, a business major. You know, he was a corpse. No, I, I met him once, and I looked into his eyes, and there was nothing there. There was nothing behind them. They were glassy. I, I, it terrified me, genuinely. Like I, I, he's some sort of Frankenstein's monster. And I, I mean this in the most respectful possible ways because i'm like genuinely like there's got to be something going on there and maybe it's just because he was trying to do the like soft-spoken alberta dad thing but it just came off as so stiff and clammy and it was like he genuinely creeped me out yeah and i think maybe that was part of it that he was just creepy anyways so aaron o'toole all his faults all the compromises with all the wrong people he had to make to win. I I just I feel pity for him. Because yeah. he just seems like a bewildered dad. And I just <laughs> He just I, of, wants to grill, for God's sake. Of all of the leaders first of all, of all the leaders, uh I'd wanna hang out with Jugmeat, even though I I don't really like him as leader. Um but I think he's the one Aaron O'Toole's the one who deserves a hug the most. Yeah, he he just seems like he's a bit in over his head, you know. And maybe it's just his face. He's just maybe he's just got a pitiable face, but yeah. I just, I just I feel compassion for him genuinely, because I just feel bad for him. I don't know why. I don't know why I should. I don't know what reason there is to. I don't know why he as a person has given me any reason to, but I do. Yeah. Anyways, our final subject of the night. Um. 
because this is a long episode, and so yeah. I think we should uh, just sort of do this one quickly. And we can do it quickly. Uh, is and, and you're not going to be interested in it anyways, because it's already, you know, been through the cycles, is the DNC. Yeah. The other conservative convention. We've gone through three conservative conventions, and now we're going through two conservative conventions, now we're going through the third. Um, two guests were there. Um, who I think were pretty funny. Oh, that's... I mean, when I found this out, it was just incredible. As well punching. Just, just fucking insane. Uh, um, two so men... We, first, we got Colin Powell. Yes, and John Colin. Yeah. And, and John Kasich. So, both Republicans. Uh, they're um, gunning for the, the... I think they might have gotten to 30 after the RNC. 30 nationwide never-Trump Republicans. I think yeah. they... They're betting on that, you know, that rate of exponential growth increasing, and maybe they'll end up with a couple hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think that they're not, you know, a lot of the rhetoric surrounding the DNC is that it's not for leftists and that they're trying to attract Trump voters with it, which, you know, if they were actually good at that, then... Fine, whatever. We'll just go vote for Green. Exactly. If, or if they were, if they were even if they vote were, for JoJo, like I don't even. If they were, like, but if they were good at at reaching out to the Republican base, there wouldn't be so as much of a problem. But because they suck at it, it's like a lot more concerning, mm-hmm. right? Like they're they're trying to you know play up like oh we're we're the party that's helping people you know that whole Alyssa Milano thread of like all the things that Democrats have done to help people. Yeah. yeah, it's Rose McGowan totally exposed her yeah, though. Queen. Oh, that was hilarious. Anyways. But you know they're trying to play up their whole working class angle when most of Trump's base already believes that they're all liz- reptilian, cosmopolitan lizard people. Yeah, right. Like, it's I just reinforcing it. They're trying twenty sixteen again. Yeah, um, and so, anyways, I think we should talk about who these people are. So let's start with John Kasich. Um, you might recognize the name because he ran against Trump in the uh, Republican nomination, a.k.a. he's a sore loser because, as far as I remember, basically every Republican who ran in that lined up and got behind Trump, uh, which is like, cool, all right, and this guy just threw a shit fit so hard he joined the other party. Yeah. Um, oh, and by the way, before we get into that, I just want to say, even if there was a shot at them winning... A vote for Libertarian Party would still be more moral than a vote for the Democratic Party at this point. Um, the So Kasich, let's talk about some of his views. He is, one, anti-abortion. Two, milk toast on the environment. Yes, he says he agrees with it, but he's also pro-pipeline, fracking, etc. Three, privatized five prisons, or at least tried to. I actually don't remember if he was able to do it. Four, doesn't even support medical marijuana. That's right. It's not like he supports legalizing marijuana recreationally. He doesn't even support legalizing it medically. Five, called Snowden a traitor. Six, pro-Iraq. Uh, and, in fact, opposed withdrawing of troops from Afghanistan, or from Iraq in 2011. Um, seven, opposed the Iran nuclear deal and supported Obama drone bombing kids, a.k.a. he supported the wrong part of Obama's foreign policy in the Middle East and didn't support the right part. Uh... He's fine on LGBT plus issues, actually. But his big positive, alright, and this might change my mind on him, during his 2016 run, he was endorsed by Arnold. 
Yeah. He was endorsed by Arnold Schwarzenegger. And so I think maybe... He gains back a couple cool boy points for that. Yeah. And Powell, I mean, we don't even need to go... We don't, need to, we don't need to say anything besides he was the national security advisor for Ronald Reagan. That's yeah. it. That's all we need. That's all we need to say about He was guy. known as a political general, which is just a horrifying phrase yeah. to come out of anywhere. Um, and then, yeah, he worked for Bush and basically masterminded the diplomatic lead-up to Iraq. Uh, and yeah. he sort of pretended and misled the world um, and America on this, first of all, this false idea that the government knew uh, wasn't true. But he pretended was true anyways that Saddam had weapons of mass destruction and, and B, that they were trying every diplomatic measure to get him to give them up before they went to war when really it was just, you know, Bush was getting Saudi Arabian checks and Iraq was at the, that point their number one threat. I mean, that's it. Um, and so, yeah, all those... What is it now? Two million people have died as a result of the Iraq War. Yeah, I mean, I mean, never still, mind the indirect so, effects like the Syrian civil war and the rise of ISIS. What? What? Just I mean, the Iraq War specifically killed two million very, people. Very, very um, eye-opening thing is there's a lot of military outlets, direct or indirect, that will talk about the United States' use of depleted uranium, and you, you hear the the phrase depleted uranium, and you think, oh, well, it's not radioactive anymore. Depleted just means that it's been already been used for making nukes, and now it's useless to the government. So they figured out a way to make armor-piercing bullets out of this uranium. And it's very dense. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, it's dense, so you know you can have more kinetic energy, all that good stuff. But it's still radioactive, and it's still causing deaths and birth defects in Iraq to this day. Meaning, mm -hmm. there is no final death toll for the Iraq War. There it, never will be a final death toll. It will keep. It will point. It'll just be like Agent Orange, and you know the end of Rainbow Agents in um, the Vietnam War. And there even Alberta, a, there will be an untold amount yeah. of deaths as a result of you know, and and it's just seen as this sort of innovation, I guess. In, in oh, that's so cool! Once we're done using it in a nuclear reactor, we can put it into the back yeah, of the no, head of a once you're done in making, Iraq. Once you're done making weapons of mass destruction, you can yeah. You know, for for the cost of killing one person with one bullet, now you might get five or six of their people fifty years down the line. Yeah, right. It's yeah, it's terrible. But yeah, like it's two million directly, and again, ISIS is a result of that. The Syrian civil war obviously was basically started by the United States by funding and Israel by funding all these groups that would coalesce into ISIS. But that is also a result of the destabilization. The Iran-Iraq proxy war that's led to, you know, all this crap with Hezbollah is the fault of the Iraq war. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, just like they're on the hands of Joe Biden, even more so the blood of literally millions of people is on the, ha the hands of it, Colin it, Powell. Look, it's one thing to vote for the war. It is an entirely another thing to mastermind in intentionally duping the public into thinking that this is an unavoidable war. Yeah, and in fairness, Biden maliciously voted for the war. You know, spearheaded the Democratic effort, knowing that he didn't have WMDs. But that was just buying into the scheme created by Powell. Um, and the only reason these national security types are going after Trump, it's the same reason as they endorsed Buttigieg. It's because they go for their own, and Biden is their own. 
because, like it or not, and this isn't me praising him, right? I, I addressed this in a previous episode. It's because he's a coward. But Trump has not done foreign war in the same way that, you know, Obama did and Bush did and Clinton did and Bush did before him and Reagan did. And, you know, like, it's just not something that Trump has done. He hasn't actually started any wars while he was in office, um, which is surprising, which is such a horrifying thing about that country. Yeah. Um, so, and they invited him to speak simply because he is part he of the Trump war lobby. He is part of the war lobby, and so he has interest in getting a warmonger like Biden in uh, over a milquetoast warmonger like Trump. Speaking of warmongers and people who are against that type of stuff, you know who wasn't invited to speak at the DNC despite uh, all of the previously agreed uh, de facto rules saying she should have been there? Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. So it is a de facto, not written, but de facto rule that everybody who wins a delegate gets to speak um, at the DNC. Um... Tulsi Gabbard won too, and she didn't get to speak. Uh, in fact, she was not even invited to speak, she confirms, and right now I think she's doing National Guard duty in Alaska, helping build indigenous communities. Look at that, actually helping people. Well, these dithering idiots you know, bring invite Bloomberg Col on Colin the stage. Powell. Bloomberg, and I'm pretty sure, uh, what, I'm pretty sure Beto spoke. And he didn't even make it to voting. He, Yang spoke, and he didn't get a delegate. They got all. They invited all the ones that fell in line, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's not for us. Well, obviously, it's not for us. But it's, it's not, not. It's not for the left. It's not for America. It's not for the left because they assume that you know the left will vote for them anyway. Yeah. Which you know to some extent, is a real thing. True. You know? It's horrifying. They, they might be right. They might be. And I... I genuinely don't know if that's good or not. I I think it's not, actually. I think, um... Every time the left falls in line and Angel loses its wings or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, when you're offered the choice between, you know social fascism and pseudo-fascism overt pseudo-fascism I don't know what the better would you rather is. have your fascism four years from now would you, would you rather have it advance in four years or advance now right and there is definitely no other option yeah well that's the worst thing there is no other option because yeah. no matter how many people vote for Howie or no matter how many people vote for Jojo uh it's just they're not gonna win. Maybe Howie's not, but Jojo they, might get. Even if they win, they, they uh, you know they can't affect. No one's gonna be able to change these systems. Change. Yeah, I'm totally blackpilled on this at this point. Like, there is, I think, no president who is going to be able to save the United States of America. And as much as I love Tulsi Gabbard, she couldn't do it. As much as I love Marianne, she couldn't do it. Maybe with her energies, she could. Oh, yeah, maybe she'd just bring the orbs in and spiritually cleanse the nation. But, 
like the country it's there's it's not on a road it's on a railroad track right this is not yeah. walking down a road it is on a train and, and that can, train you can you can either slow the train down a little bit or, or you, you can, can speed just... it up a little bit or let yeah let it run its course or you can attempt to radio to the the control station where the guy working there has been shot 10 years ago yeah yeah that's it like the system i mean you one could even argue that this was the road set out in 1776 one could argue that i might argue that i don't have time or the energy to argue that right now but at a certain point it stopped being a path and turned into railroad tracks that you like they're on a train that they cannot stop and maybe they can send a few hand signals to the conductor maybe they can you know move to a nicer train car but that train is going and i don't know whether that train is going to total collapse i don't know whether that train is going to you know fascism or actual communist revolution or some other crazy thing you know the entire country gets ted pilled and cuts the telephone lines yeah but it's going somewhere and that somewhere is going to lead to a lot of suffering um and there's no one who's going to be able to save it at this point and i think i think genuinely i was foolish to believe that bernie could and if anyone, I'm, I'm still very conflicted on that. I, I gotta say, I, I don't think yeah. I'm ready to have an opinion on that yet. I don't know, but if you are one of those leftists who I interact with on the internet, and you said that stuff about Bernie back then, I'm not sure if I'm going to agree with you. But you now have the right to say I told you so, <laughs> because you may be right, and I'm yeah. accepting at this point that maybe even Bernie couldn't have done it. Maybe even in 2016, Bernie couldn't have done it. You know, maybe all of this was just how it was going to go. Either this is just what I'm happens I'm not sure which empires. is worse, the fact that it, it might be by design or it might be out of our control. Like, it, it might have it might have well, been both, its own thing or it might have been by, de- by design. Yeah. That's what I meant. Yeah. This is just what happens to empires. I mean, it's a miracle that some of these European countries are still functioning societies like Britain and France. Yeah. Just barely, obviously. But, like, I... The... I know there's always the whole Angloid bad teeth meme or whatever, but it's honestly sort of incredible how Britain managed to be the history's, like, first and only hyperpower for, like, whatever, 300 years um, before relatively peacefully folding in on itself. And then America gets to be, like, the world's only superpower for 25 years well, before yeah, like everything just goes years, down the crap. And then you have a fascist, Complete collapse. Fascist upright, yeah. Yeah. So, this was a funny episode, and this thing about the DNC was supposed to be funny. Yeah. And now it's not. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is a long episode anyways. We've, Who knows if you even get killed, here. We definitely killed the vibe we had going at the start, but, um... Whatever. You know what? That's just how it goes. Yeah. Anyways, that's it for us. I'm tired. Yeah. Um, and I have been Malcolm. I've been Declan. And we will see you on Thursday.